Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Good morning to you, too. How are you doing, Crosswalk? Okay, right in here. Got a little, little something. There we go. Nice. I like that. Good. Welcome as we continue our Christmas series adventure. As we look at the story of Christ coming to this earth, this season we sing about it, we think about it, we wrap gifts about it. And uh, today we're going to take a look from the perspective of the angels who show up kind of repeatedly through the course of this story. Uh, by the way, if you're looking around like Hatchery was doing earlier today and noticing that there's a, a black kind of, that's a, that's a baptismal tank, that, and wonderfully, I just can't believe it, uh, Trevor, but the temperature, the water went in there at about 65 degrees earlier this week, and by the time we got in there today, this morning, Tucker Sutton was baptized. If you see Tucker, you know Tucker, even if you don't know Tucker, just celebrate that. Uh, but it was actually 85 degrees by the time we got in there. It was just lovely. So if you're wondering, hey man, I just feel like I should be I at least would like to talk about it, but it's winter time, and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we'll be in good shape. We'll be in good shape. Now, one of the things that happens with some regularity, had somebody ask me yesterday, had somebody ask me this morning, well, okay, so I have a journey of faith. I gave my heart to Jesus a long time ago. I've been baptized, but in another faith, and I, I've been here now, and I, I would love to be a part of this family. How, how does that work? Uh, well, Baptism is one thing, but we don't feel badly about your baptism some time ago. There is a language that we use called profession of faith, in which we would say, well, we're going to actually invite you to say, yep, you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you've given your heart to Jesus, and so this is more about joining our family of faith by profession of faith. And just as an example, I'd like to introduce you pictorially to three individuals who are now a part of our church family, that if you see them, please love on them, just celebrate with them. I'm not sure if any of them are in this service. I know a couple of them were in the earlier service. First is Dee Gladden. You might have seen her out around coffee serving today. Uh, Dee is a wonderful young woman who's married to the guy who was quite stoically playing bass earlier. Oh, but he threw down. It was good. Uh, so Dee is now a member. She's had a long journey with Jesus, deep faith. Um, and is now a part of the Crosswalk family. And so welcome her when you get a chance to do that. Dee, I don't think Dee is in here. I think she's continuing to help clean up after serving you. Um, second person is Nate Mayo. Nate was in the earlier service as well, so I doubt he's here. If you are, if any of you three are here, just wave at me wildly. But, uh, Nate, but Nate, by the way, is the one in the black shirt. Um, he also has had a long journey deep and wide with Jesus and has found his home here with us and has decided he wants to be a part of this family. And so we welcome him in as well. And finally, Weston Porter. Now, Weston, I learned about this. Weston has a young family. Weston, are you here? Wasn't sure if he was. Oh, people are pointing. Oh, there's Weston, right? You, everybody just turn around and act like you saw. He's most of the way back. He's like in the back third almost. And uh, I found out a little bit about Weston's journey with Jesus and his interest in, in coming in through profession of faith in part because Blake, Blake, wave at me. There you are. Because Blake has made a decision. He wants to be baptized. And so we were visiting and talking about all this. And I was like, oh, yes, we can do all of this. 
So I just wanted to show you those individuals so that you as our family would have the opportunity to show love and thankfulness that we get to be a family together. And also because there could be somebody here who has had a, a journey with Jesus that's vibrant and, and important and longstanding, but you've been in some other place and, and you're wondering, well, how, how could I be a part of this family? It's easy. Come talk to me. Um, if you're wondering about it, you can pick up a card or snap off a picture of it and, and text or email me and we'll get together for over coffee and we'll talk about it. And most of all, just love, love, love that you would want to be a part of our family. I want to say this too, because there could be some people here who that's just not where they're at right now. They're barely here. <laughs> they got here because somebody invited them and they really are struggling even to think that Jesus is real. And I just want to say to you, there's no pressure. You come as often and as long as you just be a part of us. We love that whenever you choose to do that. And there's no pressure for you to take a step faster or deeper than you're ready for. Just when you're ready, if you're ready, come talk to us because we'd like to help you with that. Okay? All right. Angels. There is a, some of you will know it, there is a little Charlie Brown Christmas story, cartoonish, old. How many of you have seen this? The Charlie Brown Christmas. Anybody here do this as kind of a ritual over Christmas? You watch this. There's this point at which Charlie Brown is, is saying, I just don't know, what is Christmas all about? Right? And there's this point where on a stage, one individual steps up very confidently because he's got his blanket. It's Linus. And in fact, others are around the stage in different places, and Linus steps up, and he begins to share what Christmas is all about. And what he does is he recites, in a slightly different version, what we're going to read together now. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Pan across the stage, and there's Charlie Brown, just still a little sheepish. He goes on, but the, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord and pan to the other side and there are a handful of other participants in whatever is happening on this stage after this, Lucy involved and others. The Linus continues, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which is the Lord, which the Lord told us about through these angels. Interesting. Approximately seven, data shows, about seven out of ten Americans believe in angels. Uh, by the way, about six out of ten Americans believe Jesus is God. <laughs> Think about that. That means more Americans believe that the angels likely could have appeared on the hillside, but wouldn't have believed what they said. 
it's fascinating to consider. Angels show up throughout scripture. Quite a number of times they're referred to in the Bible, almost 300 times, I believe. And the majority, well, more than half of those are in the New Testament. And an awful lot of them are in the Christmas story. More angels per square inch of right, are in the Christmas story in Luke chapters 1 and 2 and Matthew as well as he tells it. They show up to Zechariah at the beginning of Luke to announce to Zechariah that they're going to have a baby boy. He's, okay, so you don't understand some things. Zechariah decides he's going to try to school the angel on this whole situation after he gets over his petrification of what's happening. But you know the story, it's an announcement that John, who will be John the Baptist, somebody coming before God is making a way in the midst of impossibility. And then an angel will show up to Mary. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And then to Joseph. That's a needed conversation. An angel will show up to the shepherds on the hillside, as we just read. And while they're not referred to as angels, you'll remember the story that we talked about in the very first week of this series, the town of Bethlehem and the magi that come, these wise travelers who have been studying and have come from afar and they want to find this baby king and they end up talking to Herod the Great and Herod says, okay, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. why don't you go find him and when you find him, I'd love to worship too. So why don't you come back and let me know? And the Bible says that in fact, just before they're about to head back and let Herod know, we found him. That in a dream, they are instructed not to do that. It doesn't say by angels, but by the way, there are a bunch of dreams that are happening in this story, and every time it's angels. Because <laughs> then, an angel will show up to Joseph for the second time and say, hey, I think you should pack up. I think you should grab the little boy Jesus, baby boy Jesus, and your wife and head to Egypt. Get out of Dodge. It's not safe here. Go. Won't be long, and this angel will show up again. Hey, Joseph, me again, in a dream, and let him know. Okay, it's safe to return. Angels, 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 angels. We have heard on high, we have heard in dreams, and we have heard face to face. It's, it's a lot of angels going on in this story. What's God doing here? What's God trying to tell us? By the way, and we'll refer to this again in a minute. The Greek word, euangelios, the Greek word for angels actually also appropriately is translated messengers. What's the message God's getting across? What is it that's happening? You know, it's interesting to me as we talk, as we think, and even at the time of Christmas, if we're honest about it, look, the, the world and life and everything, it's, it's all, let's just be honest, it's a movie about me. This may sound like I'm full of myself, but let, here's how I can prove it. I'm in every single scene. And you, like Tucker baptizing, he, he floats in and out of the story. He's kind of an extra at times. Maybe he gets a supporting role, right? And for you, the same, right? The movie of your life. It's easy for us to fall prey to this notion that this is all a story about me. So what is Christmas? Christmas for somebody, if we're honest about it, Christmas is about packages and Christmas is about certain songs and game playing and maybe the kids come home and it's just this warm, cozy feeling for somebody else. Christmas is about all the things I don't have, will never have, and I'll never be enough. It's all about me. I want to suggest to you that the Christmas story is riddled with these 
beings from the spiritual world impart to try to help us notice and see that this story that we are in is not actually a story that is all about me. There's something else going on here. There's something bigger going on. Here's the interesting truth. When I make this world, when I make everything, and some of us can do this with the scriptures, turn it into just a story about me. And when I do, weirdly, I make the world a smaller place, the story a smaller story than if I would see that I am in a bigger story about a bigger deal and a bigger thing and a bigger one. You will never be as big as you could be if you understand the story that includes angels and a Jesus who both created the world and came as a baby and rose from the dead and says, I'm coming back. There's so much more. There's so much bigger stuff that's going on. And a lot of it is in this world that feels a little mysterious to us. And we can deny it a good deal. Well, so the angels come to Mary. It's Gabriel who shows up, appeared to Mary, and says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You can kind of, bounding in, oh, this is great news. Great stuff is about to happen. And the angel blurts it all out. And then the next verse says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think. Confused and disturbed. Uh, so I have learned over time that when I arrive at home and my wife is already home and she doesn't know that I've arrived, I got to go in loud. I, 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 if I had the option between a louder garage door opener and the one that we have, I would go louder. I will enter the door, and our, our house is a long house with a, you know, it's, so she could be at the far end of that, and I go in, I am, I am home. <laughs> hey, girl, are you, where are you here? Where are you? One time, I came in, and I thought I was being loud enough. I came in and walked over to my wife, who was facing a washing machine she was finishing doing some stuff with, and I put my hand on her shoulder as I started to talk, and I was almost not here today because of that move. So I go in hot. I go in loud. I, hey, do not fear. I, I have arrived home. Where are you? Oh, if she's in the shower. I got to also sound happy. Hey, hey, I'm home. It's me. It's Dave. Because if she's not expecting me, even though we love each other, even though she may be hoping I would get home by now, if she doesn't know and she's not expecting immediately, she is disturbed, and sometimes some of her body parts are disturbed also. So Mary's confused and disturbed and tries to think. What in the world is going on here? I was not expecting you. I, you should have knocked. And you're here. And the angel says, don't, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not 
fear. Uh, have you noticed the most common thing that is the first opening one-liner of an angel when they uh, interact with a human being, the most common interaction is to start with, do not fear. <laughs> kind of like me going into the house. <clears throat> do not fear. Do not calm down. Breathe. Just <sighs> breathe. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Hagar, out in the wilderness, an angel shows up with all sorts of better news than what her life has been, but he's got to get it out there. Don't, don't fear. Daniel, who is a follower of God at an extreme level, will have an angel show up, and he's just got to say it, not even just once. Do not fear. Do not fear, Daniel. Zechariah, in our story in Luke chapter 1, his first move is to be petrified with fear. And the angel says, do not fear. The shepherd's on the hillside. We just read about it. Do not fear. In fact, that, shepherd, that, that angel to those shepherds, I think part of what he's going on, hey, look, 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 look. Hey, everyone, I am here. I know you were kind of dozing there with the sheep on the hillside. You were kind of covered up a little bit. I am here. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I'm saying that now for this moment, but I'm also wanting to let you know a bunch more of me are about to show up. So... Do not fear. At Jesus' resurrection, there is an open tomb, and there is an angel there who knows. First thing I'm going to have to tell everybody, hey, don't, don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Paul is shipwrecked. An angel shows up and has to tell everybody, hey, just, just first of all, don't be afraid. It's not just angels, by the way. When God shows up to Abram, who will become Abraham, he has to tell him, look, do not fear, but I'd like to talk to you. Jesus is walking on the water, which that's a whole situation. And as he's walking along, it almost makes it sound like he was going to just go strolling right straight past a boat full of disciples, and they look over and they see what they believe to be a ghost. Ah! And Jesus says, oh, do not fear. <laughs> normal. It's all just normal. Don't be afraid. Jesus to John the Revelator on an island of incarceration is going to have to say, don't be afraid. This is pretty, it's a common need for God to say, do not fear. For his, send his messengers. The first thing they're going to need to say is, don't fear. This angel shows up and just starts blurting out, you are favored. And he hasn't said, don't fear yet. And Mary is just completely petrified and cannot even think. What is it that's going on with all of our fear? Where does it come from? If you go back, all the way back, not just before Jesus was born, not just before the Israelites were held in captivity in Babylon, not just before the Exodus or before Abraham, go all the way back, all the way back to the garden, all the way back to a time when no one had fear. And daily, regularly, consistently, God shows up and his children spend time and it is the best. And then in the third chapter of Genesis, things change. They make decisions and Jesus comes into the garden looking for his children and they are nowhere to be found. They have disappeared. They are hiding from him, kind of like my children would do if somebody rang the doorbell at our house. I don't know why, but I'm the one who has to go to the door. Everybody else is under a table somewhere. It's like, act like, act like we're not, don't get eye contact. 
Jesus shows up calling out for them and they are nowhere to be found. And finally, finally they're face to face or at least hiding behind a close bush. And Adam says to God, I heard you and I was afraid. I've come to wonder if sometimes our agnosticism, atheism, denial could even be an outgrowth of how we handle what we're afraid of. Is it possible that it is more comfortable to create a situation that is godless than to confront our actual need? Because of fear. Here's the interesting thing about that Genesis 3 story. God's children fail and they sin. And who is it that doesn't show up for the relationship? God always shows up. You may have been taught by someone, witnessed from some place, shown a specific verse, or just constructed it for yourself out of shame and fear that if the wrong thing has happened, and let's be honest, for so many of us, the wrong thing has happened, that God will not show up for me. You think he will. You can say that, Pastor Dave, but that's because you don't know. And I'm just saying to you, I don't need to know what the specifics are. I know this, God always shows up. And I also know this, the big problem with sin is not that it will convince him not to show up. The big problem with sin is it will convince me not to show up. I'm the one who will forget that there are angels and that there is a God and that there is a Jesus so that if he were to walk into the house, he needs to be shouting from a great, great distance, hey, do not fear. I am home. I actually exist. I am real. I believe the angels in the Christmas story are in part a reminder to us that we are in a spiritual world that is bigger than just any one of us. It's not a story about you or a story about me. It's bigger than that. I am actually bigger than that kind of small story. In a story that is about Jesus, is about God, is about his plan for my life is about his acceptance of me, is about the fact that he wants to be with us, Emmanuel, that he's not waiting to figure out if we can build a tower to the heavens, he's coming down even as a baby to be here with us, and he's sending messengers to try to help us even understand, yeah, I know, only six out of ten of you actually think I'm God, I'm going to keep shouting it, fear not. I love you. What are the things that cause these fears or the outgrowths of those fears? Uh, if he knows, and he does, if he knows, he doesn't, he doesn't love me. He won't love me. The lie that fear projects is that he's not for me. In fact, if he does exist, his big jolly is to figure out how he can punish me. What would make him happier than to be able to do that for eternity? Or to find the thing that he can use as the justification so I don't get to live forever, so that I don't go to heaven, and we build these models. And Goodness, that can't possibly be, that can't possibly be a God like that. And there isn't. 
So often I want to say, and if you're here right now doubting the existence of God, I'm going to guess that there's a possibility that if you describe the God you don't believe in, I would have to tell you, I am also that kind of atheist. But the angels show up as a message from God. He will go to any length to find you. He would rather die than live in a reality without you. And maybe you deserve to build a vision and to adopt the senses that would be able to tell you that there is a world in which he exists. If you've built a movie that's all about you and doesn't include God, I invite you to a bigger place, a better place an adventure that includes angels and mind-blowing moments. You remember the Geico commercial? You remember this commercial? Starts out, I'll show you a picture. This probably will spring it back to your mind. Four students wandering around. They're scared. They're being chased, they believe. One of them blurts out, let's hide in the attic. Another one says, no, 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 in the basement. Third one says, well, why can't we just get in the running car? To which the most brilliant of them says, are you crazy? Let's hide behind the chainsaws. Right? And even the monster in the story can't believe how dumb we are. And how often we run away from the wrong thing. I just want to say, if you're building a world without angels and without Jesus and without God and without a spiritual battle that's going, if you've built that kind of world, you have run in fear from the wrong. You're sitting in a chainsaw shed. And even you know this can't go on forever. Christmas screams out. Don't run from the one who would never leave you. Consider what angels have been through. As they show up for Mary, as they show up for Zachariah, as they show up for shepherds on a hillside, as they show up in your life and mine, and I don't even understand what I'm saying there. Consider what they've been through. They watched creation. They saw things spoken into existence in however many days that took. They saw the God of the universe, Neil, squishing into the mud and push together the form that would be Adam and breathe into him life. They watched it. Inspired, amazed, and feeling privileged to get to watch. And they watched as day after day, God demonstrated his love by showing up. And they watched as humanity fell for a lie. Think about the angel's experience because here's what they would have watched. They would have watched God say, look, I can't explain to you. By the way, like I can't explain to you angels that the desperate situation that will occur if you choose sin. Just all I can say is death. It is going to be horrid, evil, wicked death. It will kill you. It won't stop at you. It will attack the people you love without their consent. It will go rampant and wild. You want no part of sin. And then 
We chose it. And then, what God said would happen came true. And there is murder, and there is backbiting, and there is loss, and there is loneliness, and there is, it's just horrid. And by the way, it, it does not just wait to attack until you did something. It will just randomly, it's like blades spinning in this chainsaw shed. And then you know what happens next? And the angels are watching all this. His warning, our choice to do it anyway. And the moment we turn back and say, you can't be God if this happens to me. You can't even exist if this happens to me. And there's got to be an angel going, but actually, wouldn't it be more that he doesn't exist if this didn't happen when he said it was going to happen? And they watch as God seeks our hearts, as he delivers the Israelites from Egypt, as he works with them and they turn their back, we turn our back on him repeatedly and all of this, they're, they're in charge of bringing some of the messages to us about what God is up to and they watch and listen as God over and over and over says, look, what I want is I want to be with you. I can help you. I can change all of this. I am looking for you. And not just that, someday it is coming as this angel shows up for Daniel to tell him, hey, it's coming, it's coming. Write some stuff down. You're not going to get it. You're just not going to understand it. But just write this down. Because Jesus is coming. And then Jesus comes to this world. They've watched all of this. They will be there at the cross, confused and concerned. Is it all gone wrong? And they will be there at the tomb when Jesus himself opens it up. They've seen every bit of God's attempt to convince us. And so they show up. They're given tasks to come, and here they come. I mean, imagine you're tasked with that. There are a few of the angels' tasks through Scripture that I would feel like, yeah, I'd like that one. Let me get, first one is Balaam and his donkey in, in, in Numbers 22. I don't know if there'd be like a heavenly raffle for this or if God just said, hey, look, okay, so I want you to do this. I, I feel like if I was told exactly how this was going to go down, I'd be saying to him, yeah, but can we not tell everybody else and just have them watch? Because down comes the angel. Balaam is headed the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing. He's on his donkey. Three times in a row, bad stuff happens with the donkey because of his not doing what Balaam wants him to do because there's an angel in the way. And then, finally, the donkey talks. And this is the moment. I mean, if you're the angel in that moment, you're going, yeah, yeah, see? <laughs> By the way, if you're one of the individuals who believe the only reason the donkey talks is because there's a theological reason for the donkey to talk, keep, keep listening to the story. Understand this, in a moment, the angel is going to talk. I hope you're comfortable the God who on occasion wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, today, talking donkey. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to do. It takes the edge off of how frustrating this whole situation is. You know what, today... I'm going to let him go. I'm going to walk on the water. 
I believe that out of all of us and God in this room, it is so wildly clear who the interesting one is. But I, I would have had my hand up pretty fast also for the Mary conversation. Hey, great news. God has, God has favored you. You're going to be with child. By the way, have you ever noticed that when somebody finds favor in you, sometimes that means you're going to have more responsibilities? You're one of the office team that does your work super well and you have found the boss's favor. And often that means more work, <laughs> not always remunerated. And here she is, 13 to 16 years of age, before you're just blanching at that number. Understand this, as recently as about 1900, 13-year-old young lady, 14-year-old young man would have been considered, if they're normally developing, to have transitioned through all of the processes of adolescence and into adulthood. So when somebody reads that, you know, age-old book of Little House on the Prairie and 13 and 14-year-olds, are they're doing what? Getting married? They're actually adults. The equivalent, sociologists say, of today, a 25-year-old young lady, 27-year-old young man. So, 13 to 16 is not like as outlandish as that, that sounds. What is outlandish is she has no reason to be pregnant. And this is a, this, you know, I don't, it, she kind of wants to argue a little bit here, right? You'll be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Well, uh, yeah, he, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. It, so problem is, this is impossible. How will this be since, yeah, I mean, I think I know how this goes. I am betrothed, which was a first phase of being married. We'll talk more about Mary and Joseph next week. But part of that first year of betrothal was all about demonstrating commitment to another person without sexual interaction. And so she's going, look, I don't know what, you're say what you think you're saying about me, dude. First of all, you barge in here when I didn't know you were coming. And now you're saying this about me. No, 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 no. No, understand the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You're thinking this is impossible. And by the way, it is a task. So often in our journey with Jesus, all melded together is a calling and is work and is joy. And you will be blessed. And you will be overjoyed. And the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. By the way, the angel goes on, just not that long ago, I, I was talking with Zachariah, you know, Elizabeth, your cousin, she's old enough, she's wanted children, she's old enough that the, the hope is gone, ah, no, 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 not so fast, guess what, she's going to have a child as well, even in her old age, and it's somebody you trust, and so I want you to go and talk to her, you could even go to her, and the story continues on, and she does, and it's part, I believe, of how God breathes in us. It's to say, you remember Sarah of the Old Testament who was too old? Nothing is too impossible for God. Don't be thinking this is a statement about you misbehaving. No, God is doing something in you, Mary. And by the way, think about what it means. I am here to tell you. I say you have God's favor. He has picked you for his mom. It's a mind-blowing 
scenario that we can't really even understand. But this part of the scriptures suggests that God is interested in making sure Mary knows you're not alone. Go talk to Elizabeth. And by the way, some of us are in that point in our lives where we're not talking to anybody else about what all's going on in our hearts, in our lives, and that's an unsafe place to be. I think that's what his body is about, is that you not need to walk alone, not without him, but also not without us. That we are prepared to be gentle with each other, to love one another, and the angel concludes by saying, you know what, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that's impossible with God. That's my message before I leave you, Mary. There is nothing that is impossible for God. If you're a person who has constructed your thought world around the notion there is no God, I invite you to a place of Christmas, to the adventure of angels, the son of God born in a manger, that this is a story way bigger than just you or even just you and your family. You will be more with him than you could otherwise possibly be. And if you, like me, and Tucker, have been journeying with Jesus, I invite you to consider that the angel's story, the angel's perspective, is actually an invitation to who we could be. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say, oh, she's my angel, and point to a human being. And it feels like, okay, so I don't know if what we're saying is there aren't actual angels in the spirit world, or if you, what, what? So it feels like maybe there's a little conflict or an argument that should take place or could take place. And then I reflect back on this truth that, in fact, the word that is translated angel means messenger. And that Jesus has said, yeah, yeah, reconstruct your thoughts around who I am. Understand all that I've called you to be, the immensity of this. I mean, it's going to be angels like the stars of the sky singing across a hillside, joy to the world. Something big is happening. God has come near because he loves you. Not because he doesn't know you, he knows you and wants to be with you. He is for you. And he knows he knows you, he knows me, he knows we are prone to wrap up that fear deep in our hearts and use it to isolate ourselves from him, to back up into the bushes, to find our way into a place of scarcity in the story that he has made for us. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, know this, you are called to be a messenger to a world that is dying. May it not be that we are some of the ones posting on billboards with the message of our lives, God's not for you though. I mean, look at you. And what you've done, no, we are the ones who shout it from the hilltops, who sing at the top of our lungs. Jesus always shows up for you. No matter, yeah, but I did, doesn't matter. But over and over, I, 
does not matter. The over and over part is all an alluring dance to get you further into the bushes, further away from him. And the Christmas story, the packages under the tree, the ringing of a bell by a red Salvation Army bucket, all of that is meant to scream out, fear not. He loves you. And he's come for you. Lay claim to it. And speak it out in the love of our lives to this community that all could know Christmas time and every season. Jesus is showing up. And in the midst of it, you and I are going to have to embrace mystery just a tiny bit because I can't explain angels to you. And I can't explain Jesus born a baby to you. I can't explain Mary to you. And we live in a time and an age where we want to have an answer for everything and how it happened. You know what? Maybe it's time for us to embrace a world where we don't know some things. And there's mystery. And part of the mystery is that he could know me. And still pick me. And he always shows up. And just know this. Whatever you're experiencing, know this, know this. God would send angels to say it. He would send angels to sing it. He would send this body of believers to live it. All things are possible. There's not a single thing impossible for this Jesus. For the God of all creation. For the King of kings. Lord, thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com slash Chattanooga and click the give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name. <laughs>